Imagine this. You're in the trusting hands of a doctor. Someone who has sworn an oath to protect and heal you. But, what if that very doctor turned out to be a cold-blooded killer? Buckle up, because this story is not just a true crime tale, it's a nightmarish descent into the mind of one of the most prolific serial killers in medical history. Chilling frills, unexplained mysteries, and creepy stories that actually occurred. Welcome to Freakier Than Fiction. I'm your host Chad, and each episode together we will dive into the world of the unknown. So, if that kind of thing interests you, and you haven't done this already, then hit that follow or subscribe button, and that way you won't miss the next freaky episode. As this podcast is intended for mature audiences, discretion is advised. In this week's Spooktober special, we're taking a look at Harold Shipman, also known as Dr. Death. Harold Shipman, a name that would be associated with terror and infamy, was a British physician whose evil-minded presence cast a long and chilling shadow over the quiet town of Hyde, nestled within the heart of Greater Manchester during the termless decade of the 1990s. His story, on the surface, seemed like a promising narrative of a young doctor with aspirations of building a respected and honourable medical career. However, lurking beneath this facade of professionalism and dedication was a sinister and evil force that would soon reveal itself in the most horrific of ways. Born in Nottingham, England in the year of 1946, Harold Shipman's early life was marked by promise and potential. He was not only just a brilliant student, but he also excelled in sports, with a particular talent for rugby. However, the path of Shipman's life took a harrowing turn when he was just 17 years old. In that fateful year, his beloved mother, Vera, who he shared a close bond with, received a grim diagnosis of lung cancer. As she lay in the hospital, Her pain was eased by the compassionate actions of her attending physician, who administered morphine to alleviate her suffering. Little did anyone know that this poignant moment would serve as the catalyst for a sinister killing spree and establish the modus operandi for Shipman's reign of terror. Following his mother's tragic passing, Shipman continued his life's journey He embarked on a new chapter by marrying Primrose May Oxby while pursuing his medical studies at Leeds University Medical School. The couple welcomed four children into their lives, and from an external perspective, Shipman's existence appeared to embody the very essence of normality. Graduating in the year of 1970, 
Shipman commenced his career as a junior doctor, but rapidly ascended through the ranks, eventually becoming a general practitioner at a medical centre in West Yorkshire. Yet, in the year of 1976, dark clouds gathered on his horizon. Shipman was apprehended for the forgery of prescriptions, specifically for Demerol, a potent opioid used for severe pain management, and it was revealed that he had become ensnared by addiction. Consequently, Shipman faced a series of consequences, including financial penalties, termination from his employment, and the necessity to undergo rehabilitation at a clinic in York. Nonetheless, Shipman displayed a knack for resilience and promptly re-entered the medical field at Donnybrook Medical Centre in Hyde in 1977. He would spend the subsequent 15 years of his career at this institution before embarking on a solo practice in 1993. Remarkably, Shipman cultivated a reputation as a compassionate and accomplished physician, earning the trust and admiration of his patients and the local community. His bedside manner was legendary, concealing the evilness that brewed within him. Unbeknownst to all, including his closest colleagues, the so-called good doctor harbored a horrifying secret as he continued to claim the lives of those under his care. In March of 1975, Shipman administered a lethal dose of diamorphine to his first known victim, 70-year-old Eva Lyons, on the eve of her birthday. During this period, Shipman had amassed enough diamorphine to extinguish hundreds of lives, yet his addiction remained concealed until the subsequent year. Despite his dismissal from Donnybrook in 1976 for prescription forgery, Shipman remarkably retained his standing with the General Medical Council, the regulatory body for doctors. He received only a warning letter. Investigators would later reveal that Shipman embarked on a pattern of intermittent killing throughout his extensive reign of terror. Nevertheless, his sinister modus operandi remained consistent. He selected vulnerable victims ranging from 93-year-old Ann Cooper to 41-year-old Peter Lewis, administrating lethal doses of diamorphine before coldly observing their demise or sending them home to meet their grim fate. In total, it is believed that Shipman claimed the lives of 71 patients during his tenure at Donnybrook, with the remainder falling victim to his solitary practice. Of these victims, 171 were female and 44 were male. It was not until 1998 that the Undertakers of Hyde, his community, began to harbour suspicions regarding the unusually high morality rate among Shipman's patients. Further inquiries by a neighbouring medical practice unveiled a death rate almost 10 times higher than their own. These concerns were reported to the local coroner, 
eventually prompting the involvement of the Greater Manchester Police. This could have marked the conclusion of Shipman's reign of terror, but fate had other plans. The police investigation, marred by oversights, failed to conduct rudimentary checks, such as reviewing Shipman's criminal record. Had they consulted with the medical board, they would have unearthed his history of prescription forgery. Cunningly, Shipman had also fabricated illnesses in his victims' records, further obscuring the investigation's path and sparing him from suspicion. Shipman's heinous crimes were finally unveiled when he committed the grievous mistake of forging the will of his victim, 81-year-old Kathleen Grundy, a former mayor of Hyde. After administrating a lethal dose of diamorphine, Shipman deceitfully indicated the cremation option on her will in an attempt to obliterate the evidence. He then utilised his typewriter to exclude Grundy's family from the will entirely, redirecting her entire estate to himself. However, Grundy's daughter Angela Woodruff was alerted to the will by local solicitors and immediately harboured suspicions of foul play. The entire situation seemed incredulous to her, as her mother signing a document that left everything to her doctor was utterly inconceivable. The poorly typed will only exacerbated her scepticism. Subsequently, Grundy's remains were exhumed in August of 1998, revealing the presence of diamorphine in her muscle tissues. Shipman was apprehended on September the 7th of the same year. Over the ensuing two months, the bodies of an additional 11 victims were exhumed. A forensic examination of Shipman's surgery computer exposed falsified entries that supported the fraudulent causes of death recorded on his victims' death certificates. In parallel, Shipman claimed that Grundy had been addicted to a drug akin to morphine or heroin, citing his notes as evidence. However, police detectives unearthed that Shipman had authored these notes on his computer after Grundy's demise. Even in the face of mounting evidence, Shipman remained defiant, denying all accusations and steadfastly refusing to cooperate with the police or criminal psychiatrists. When presented with photographs of these victims or questioned by police, he would simply sit with closed eyes, yawning and steadfastly avoiding any engagement with the evidence. Ultimately, the police could only charge Shipman with 15 murders, but the estimate of his true body count remains an anatomic and terrifying range, stretching from 250 to 450 lives. In the year 2000, Shipman was sentenced to life imprisonment, accompanied by a recommendation that he never be released. While incarcerated at a Manchester prison, Shipman later found himself in Wakefield Prison in West Yorkshire, where he tragically took his own life. On January the 13th, 2004, one day shy of his 58th birthday, he was discovered hanging in his cell. 
In the wake of his demise, the haunting question lingers. Why did he commit these heinous acts? Numerous theories have emerged, offering diverse explanation for Shipman's compulsion to kill. Some suggest he may have been seeking revenge for the loss of his mother, while others propose a more charitable view that he was administering diamorphine to the elderly as a misguided expression of compassion. There are even those who pose that Shipman suffered from a god complex, driven by the need to prove his authority over life and death, even to the detriment of his patients. The enigma of Harold Shipman remains, an unsettling testament to the depths of human darkness. Thank you so much for listening to the Freakier Than Fiction podcast. If you got something out of today's episode and you haven't done this already, then hit that follow or subscribe button. And that way, you won't miss the next freaky installment. And I'd love your feedback, as it will really let me know what you think about this episode and others that you may have already heard. So please take the time to leave a 5-star review and let me know what you'd like to hear in upcoming new episodes. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find a Linktree account in the description of this episode, and that has all the links to my social media accounts, including Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Patreon. I do make sure to read all my direct messages and answer them personally. So, if I see you on Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, YouTube, TikTok, Patreon, or anywhere else, just know that I really appreciate all your support. And remember, take care out there, and be aware, for the night is alive with a darkness that hungers for your soul. The mysteries of the unknown are like a siren's call, tempting you to explore the depths of the macabre. But be warned, dear listeners, for those who delve too deep may find themselves lost forever in a world of madness and terror. So. As you step into those shadows, keep your eyes peeled and your mind open, for in this world of the inexplicable, there are no guarantees, except for one, that when you tune into the next episode of Freakier Than Fiction, you'll be diving headfirst into the unknown. See you in the next episode. 